Chapter 20 It is a true saying that there is no more beautiful sight than a frigate in full sail, a galloping horse, or a woman dancing. Honoré de Balzac, Father Gorio, 1898 One Saturday night in late January, I head out to the Tonic Lounge, a bar up on Northeast Sandy Boulevard. Sanctuary, my favorite weekly dance night, moved there recently, and I haven't inspected the new venue yet. The bus rolls along, and I squint through window condensation at street signs, counting the numbers eastward. Finally, a small building with neon beer advertisements glowing blue and red appears. I step off the bus and approach, up a slight incline. Inside the door, a large bald man examines my ID. The dance floor is a mere 10 by 10 square of wood paneling before the tiny DJ booth. Two determined goths stamp across it as muted beats rattle undersized speakers and about 15 others congregate along the bar or in booths. A fog machine sputters nearby and its ragged eucalyptus odor competes with cigarette smoke invading my nose. I slap down cash for a tequila sunrise and glance around further. Additional ambiance is supplied by video poker machines, pull tabs, and a worn-out dartboard. The handsome man who asked about Dora sits toward the back in a booth with several friends. I turn my back on him, savoring my drink, and lean against the bar, absorbing tart alcohol. My head bobs as the DJ cuts into a Fields of the Nephilim track. The dance floor is now vacant, so I set my glass on an empty table and step out. It's a mistake. The floor is not only tiny, but sticky from spilled beer. My boots cling to the checkered veneer and won't allow any range of motion. It's like dancing on used bubblegum. Frustrated, I give up and look for my cocktail. A tall, portly man with dark mascara eyes and an old-fashioned dress stands beside the table, blocking it. Excuse me, I say. He obliges and moves sideways. I tip back my drink and stare morosely around the room. The man bends near. Nice choice doing Preacher Man. Otherwise, it's a terrible set this evening. I can't believe they have the audacity to call this a gothic night. I shrug. Could be better, no question. The dance floor is most discouraging. You either need a mop bucket or waiting boots out there. The man laughs. It's awful in every way. I'm from L.A. Well, New York originally. There's a huge scene in Los Angeles. Everything is so much better. Portlanders hardly bother dressing up at all. True. I'm guilty on that count myself. It's a charming city, nonetheless. He smiles primly. Long, dark hair is pulled back into a bun pierced with pink chopsticks. I'm Salazar Manila. You can call me Sal. Nice to meet you. I'm Ross. Oh, Ross. Ross? Not the anti-Ross. What? Uh, never mind. Someone who isn't you at any rate. So, what are you doing in Portland? Funny you should ask. I moved here a year ago from Seattle and now live in the pantry of my history professor, who is an old French Nazi sympathizing trans-Benedictine nun. Salazar frowns slightly. That must be odd. Yeah, sorry, it's a mouthful to drop on you like that. The full story would take about ten hours. Well, I plan on being awake for at least another ten hours, so you can fill me in. Salazar's friendly grin is outlined with black lipstick. Sure, all right, if you really want to listen. Oh, except my expiration date comes fairly soon. The last bus leaves around 12.30. Salazar waves his hand resignedly. Stay and hang out with me instead? I never expect other people to drive anymore. In LA, people will lose their apartment and live out of a car before taking public transit. Here it's socially encouraged and bicycles are as common as herpes. I'll give you a ride later. I just need to get my roommate home eventually. Her name's Zoya. Oh, 
see, there she is, the only black person here. I'll introduce you two later. He gestures at a girl laced into a metallic silver corset who now dominates the minuscule dance floor. She sways back and forth across it, high-heeled boots a blur and long dreadlocks whirling. Muscular arms flex, fingers fanning before her face, and purple lips twisted with concentration, yet still clenching a slender cigarette. She finally slows as the DJ mixes into a new track with deep bass lines and several more goths cluster around, dark planets orbiting a hurricane. That one can dance, I observe. Salazar nods. You'll like her. She's from LA as well. We moved up here together a few months ago. The scene here could use some work, but has great potential. He smacks his lips, and calculating eyes sweep the room. Anyway, thank fucking God for sex gang children. It's about time they played some decent death rock. We'll talk later. I'm all over this one. With an excited bounce, Salazar enters the fray. If most Portland goths base their club style around frenzied stomping, which Dora floated above in ethereal detachment, the Los Angelinos blend elements together. They clutch skyward, then twirl in mirrored rhythm with each other before swooping low into a new stance. Other dancers step back, giving ground. I observe from the side and nurse my drink. As the club winds down around 2 a.m., Salazar finds me again. Are you ready? He asks. Yeah. My mind tingles with anticipated adventure. We cruise by the bar where his roommate pours herself water from an ice-filled pitcher. Closer now, I smell menthol residue and see tiny rhinestones sparkle on the frame of her cat's eye glasses. Under black light tubes, sweat glistens on her brown skin with a dull sheen. She tilts the glass and swallows a mouthful of water. Ice cubes crunch between her teeth. Zoya, this is Ross. He's with us. I give Zoya a polite nod. She scarcely glances in my direction and slams the empty glass down. All right then, let's get the fuck out. Her voice is low and throaty. We head outside and approach a green two-door Honda Civic parked on the street. Its rear bumper appears attached only with electrical tape. Picnic tableware is glued on every surface, from door panels to the roof. Plastic forks arranged on the hood spell out F-I-L-T-H in large letters. I peer inside. The seating area is filled with clothes, dirty blankets, and other assorted garbage. Fast food containers, Mountain Dew bottles, and torn magazines mixed together, forming a solid mound. Zoya wrinkles her nose. Shotgun. She opens the passenger door and folds the seat down for me. Will I even fit in there? Oh, no problem, Salazar calls from the other side. We can pack three or four people in back. More if it was cleaned out, but who wants to do that? Crawling, I enter the cavern and crush several paper coffee cups. My boots tear a porn centerfold. There's no point looking for a seatbelt, Salazar observes. But you'll be safest in a crash. It's like a womb, only with more risk of hepatitis. Great, I mutter, as my legs flex into a more comfortable position. A strong odor of mold surrounds me, but becomes less noticeable once Zoya fires up a cigarette and rolls the window down. We head west toward downtown on Sandy Boulevard. Hey! Salazar shouts after several blocks. We're right by everyday music. Let's hit their dumpster. He pulls over and parks behind a record store, its windows dark and silent. We climb out and approach a large metal trash container. Salazar flips open the lid. Illumination from nearby streetlights allows a dim view inside. 
the dumpster is filled with detritus, from bare unjacketed records to old 78s, scratched CDs, and busted cassette cases. I reach inside and can barely touch the top layer. Working together, Salazar and I extract a pile of media refuse. We dump armloads on the sidewalk. There is scratched vinyl from every genre, split cassettes that stream lengths of tangled magnetic tape, and even a few old 8-tracks. Some pressings are warped from heat exposure, now frozen in rippled waves. Zoya stands by, lips pursed. She tears open a new pack of Capri 120s and languidly ignites one. It's mostly crap, of course, Salazar observes. But I've come across some good stuff here. People think I'm just a gutter goth, but if anything, I'm really more of a jazz punk. And Anita O'Day LP turned up here last week? Are you into jazz? She was one of the best mid-century jazz singers. A complete heroin junkie as well. I'll play it for you back at our place if you like. Hey Zoya, didn't you find a Duran Duran single or something? His roommate flicks ash from her skinny cigarette scornfully. It's David Sylvian and he was in Japan, not fucking Duran Duran. Ugh, Sally, I'm getting cold. She stamps her boots with annoyance. All right, all right, we're almost done. Salazar scans the remainders in front of us. Everyone in LA calls me Sally. Well, there's nothing I want here tonight except some plastic record covers. For the sake of my domestic bliss, let's tidy up and get out of here. Once the sidewalk is cleared, we stuff ourselves back in the car and drive through downtown. After reaching the opposite side of the city center, Salazar parks by a large apartment complex on West Burnside. Zoya takes one final drag, flicking the butt out her window before exiting and letting me out too. We stand before the massive multi-story structure. Down the block, a gray-haired old homebum rattles his shopping cart to a stop and stares at us. Wow, you guys live at the Civic? I ask. Yeah, Salazar replies. Have you been here before? No, but this place is pretty notorious around town. We cross the street toward a corner entrance. Well then, Salazar smiles. He unlocks the lobby door and holds it open in welcome. It's all you've heard, and more. We call our unit the House of Many Pleasures. Inside, stench envelops us so thickly my eyes sting. Vomit, greasy food, and soiled diapers, plus other less easily identifiable odors. A sign taped against the wall warns, Please be alerted. All suspicious persons have been reported to the police. The management. We walk down hallways carpeted in stained beige and lift our boots over the legs of a skinny man, braced against the wall, eyes glazed above a hollow smile. His pants are ripped into strips below the knees. Salazar stops and opens a door on the first floor. I follow him inside. The room is dominated by an immense mattress raised up on plastic milk crates. These are, in fact, the main furnishing element, as other crates form chairs, shelves, and record storage units. Zoya pushes past us. She disappears into another room. It's sure a house of many crates, at least, I observe. Salazar laughs. <laughs> yeah, right? Zoya and I cleaned out the southwest industrial area after we moved in here. No businesses leave theirs out in the open anymore. But it's such good stuff! I even created a whole guest bedroom! Under my bed! There's a TV and radio down there. All the amenities. That's pretty good. I agree. My eyes are still roving. The room is a pop culture explosion. Each wall is covered with posters depicting everything from punk rock icons to scenes from Star Trek and the Golden Girls. A dull smell of mold permeates everything, despite the large fan churning in a cracked window. Salazar thumbs through his record collection. It fills up two walls worth of plastic bins. Anita, Anita, ah, here we are. I don't know if you appreciate jazz. 
He places the record very carefully onto his turntable and drops the needle. But you should. Anyway, this one is more big band style. Besides Anita O'Day, you can hear Gene Krupa on it. He was a fantastic old-time jazz drummer. Here we go. He turns up the volume. Through large wooden speakers on the floor, I hear trumpets and a crackly dance beat. Just then, Zoya steps out, her voice plaintive. Sally, my turntable is broken. Can you fix it? Salazar throws up his hands. It was a thrift score. You got it for cheap enough. Find another one. Zoya crosses her arms and glares. I turn to her. Maybe I can help. I've worked on mine before. She cocks her head and retreats, but this time leaves the door open. Salazar raises a long penciled eyebrow. Well, an invitation from the Inland Empire Zoyabird to visit its nest. I approach her doorway and look inside. The space is small and also contains a bed lifted on crates, though not as high as Salazar's. It does in fact resemble a nest, topped in bedding and multicolored clothes that swirl together in avian splendor. Zoya perches on the edge, dagger-heeled boots kicking gently off the side. She gestures where her turntable sits atop a dresser beside jumbled records and hair accessories. I inspect it and lift the center platter. Underneath, it's easy to see the drive belt has slipped off. I remove it, test the band for elasticity, and fit it all back together. This'll work now, I tell her. But your belt should be replaced soon. I think it's just old and stretched out. Unless there's constant tension, this'll keep happening. Thanks. Zoya meets my eyes for the first time. I never expected one of Sal's gentleman callers might actually be useful. I frown. Gentleman callers? She grins. You also have more teeth than he prefers. But hey, tastes can change. Salazar pokes his head in. You repair it? More or less, I reply. Well, let's get a move on.